Hello, welcome back to Gloucester Book Club's podcasts. I'm Christina Young. Tonight we'll be discussing The Paper Palace by Miranda Cowley-Heller. On a perfect August morning, Elle Bishop heads out for a swim in the pond below the Paper Palace, her family's holiday home in Cape Cod. As she dives beneath the water, she relives the passionate encounter she had the night before against the side of the house that knows all her darkest secrets while her husband and mother chatted to their guests inside. And so begins a story that unfolds over 24 hours and 50 years as Elle's shocking betrayal leads her to a life-changing decision and an ending you won't be able to stop thinking about. Let's join some members of Gloucester Book Club and see what they thought about it. But before we do that, let me just say that if you are a fan of Where the Crawdads Sing and Little Fires Everywhere, I think you're going to love this one. joining me again tonight guys I've got Joe with me again and Stella's come back to tell us what she thought about uh this great novel actually that we just read quite recently in book club so let me first of all start by saying that this is a debut novel for Miranda uh, Cowley Heller she's one of those people who's in the enviable position of dividing her time between residences Uh, on the other side of the Atlantic. So she's got one in London, she's also got one in LA, and she happens to have one in Cape Cod, which is the setting for this novel. Um, Let's begin by asking you both, Joe and Stella, what did you like about this novel? I actually really enjoyed the writing style of the novel. When I started it, I didn't love it at first and I found the writing to be very flowery and very descriptive and a bit over descriptive for me but actually by about page 40 I think I was really really enjoying it really enjoying the descriptions they are actually very vivid or I found them very vivid and very um, evocative of the locations and I, I, I really loved that I didn't especially emphasised with the characters though. Um, I thought they were well written and possibly quite realistic in that they were shown very much warts and all Mm. from what I thought. Um, But I just didn't particularly emphasise or connect with any of them. Having said that, I really enjoyed the story. Well, I really enjoyed it too. I hugely enjoyed it. I liked the... um timeline the story is told over 24 hours but equally over 50 years so you're getting flashbacks which bring in the history um, which we'll talk about later on um, I liked Elle I thought she was a very appealing and attractive character I liked the fact that she was portrayed as being she's portrayed as being vibrant and sexy and rather than being just portrayed as a sort of a mumsy type character she was portrayed as a real life woman with all the hungers and desires. And I liked the depiction of this enormous blended dysfunctional family. It's an absolute masterclass in. Yeah, sure is, yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, the novel is set in Cape Cod. It's a setting the the author manages to describe with vivid intimacy. I really liked the way she, the use of language for that, and I felt like I was there. 
But in what ways did that place where the paper palace is set and the paper palace, the house is there, how did it shape the lives of this family, the bishop, bishops? Because um, it, it was a major part of their lives, wasn't it? They went there every summer for their summer holidays. Well, yeah, I agree. It did shape them. The whole place shaped them. I found the um, description of Cape Cod so vivid that I felt I was there. Mm. And the, the, the camp that they go to every summer, including the Paper Palace, which is like the HQ, surrounded by a load of um, huts and sheds that are used for their sleeping accommodation. Uh, the Paper Palace is very flimsy. Mm. It's been built in a very sort of quick and cheap way. And there's almost a metaphor there for the state of their family. Um, of this house of cards that at any moment could collapse. And it's that, isn't it, right by the lake or the sides of this pond, or this yeah. large pond that they swim in quite a lot. Talking about swimming, one of the things that Miranda Cowley-Heller says, and I'll quote from her, um, she's trying to think about kind of what goes on beneath the facade of a seemingly perfect family, but actually what goes on underneath isn't really perfect at all and she says that swimming with sharks is the best metaphor and she's looking at the most beautiful ocean on the cape and yet it has become one of the biggest meeting places in the world now for great white sharks which is a bit scary if you're prone to wanting to go swimming in the sea um they were never there before so you look at the sea and then underneath it at what is actually going on you know and it that was a metaphor for this family. Don't you agree? I mean, it was a very dysfunctional family. Did you feel that when you were reading it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the family were quite a, a middle class family, of course. And so I think to all intents and appearances, they did seem to be quite, you know, quite well to do. They had a good lifestyle. There were a lot of references in the book to a sort of beautiful people so the mother um, Wallace L's mother L and her sister Anna their mother was described as beautiful mm. although at the at this point obviously she's older she's must be in her 70s L and Anna are variously described as being beautiful in the book as well so there was you know a lot of, of the sort of outward appearance of being very very acceptable and sort of middle class and possibly upper class type of appearance else husband the british husband was wasn't he some sort of was he titled or something i can't quite remember but he came from you know yeah. the top drawer background in the uk yes um, so yeah you had all of that on the the outside but then on the inside all of these secrets and all of these awful childhoods and things that happened um starting quite shockingly with Wallace, Elle's mother, and when she was a child, and one of her her parents, I think, had both been married. Lots of them had been divorced and remarried. So, yes, that's right. Yeah, so I think, oh, Wallace was married three times herself, but her mother was divorced and remarried. Mm. And she was, so Wallace was actually abused by her, and her brother were abused as children by the stepfather. Yeah. And that just seems to sort of have cascaded down the generations. So you've got, although everything on the outside looks wonderful, or quite an aspirational lifestyle, when you get into it, uh, it's pretty awful, actually. Mm, mm. 
There was a lot of abuse in this book, wasn't there? Particularly sexual abuse. Yeah, an awful lot of sexual abuse. And I agree with Sarah that this, this dysfunctionality is passed on down the generations all the time. Mm-hmm. And hidden below the surface are these awful secrets going on, the, the abuse that people have um, had to suffer. And unfortunately, as time goes on, they end up very often repeating the same cruelty on their own children. So it perpetuates itself forever. Yes, absolutely. Um, I was very struck by that. And just so the readers might want, want uh, listeners might want to know that actually there is quite a lot of abuse in this book. And you know, if you're sensitive to that, it might not be something that, that you want to read about. Just so just be aware of that before you dive into it. But actually, we've already talked about this, the paper palace unfolding over 24 hours and over 50 years. So that's just one day in Elle's life. And there are moments, times that lead up to this particular day. The story is quite cleverly told through those two timelines. What did you make of that when you were reading it? Did you find that easy to slip in and out of? Did it need to be told in multiple timelines? Yeah, I did think that worked. So again, at the start, the timelines um, swapped quite quickly. So they were quite short, the parts in each of the the 24-hour timeline and the 50-year timeline. But then going as the novel got um, further on, the, there were bigger chunks and it did work well. And you definitely needed to know the the whole of the backstory, of course, mm. was what informed that 24-hour period and what was happening in it. And yes, I think it worked. Absolutely. I think if without that backstory bit of the 50 years that preceded the 24 hours, you wouldn't have been able to make any sense of the choices that Elle finally makes um, at the end of the 24 hours. And uh, Miranda Cowley Heller herself has described the book not so much as a whodunit, more a why done it. Mm. There is a, a very steamy, passionate encounter fairly early on in the book. In the first few pages, you learn about it. And the question is, well, why did that happen? What on earth is going on here? Yeah. And then the timeline from the past is telling us all the background events which lead up to the current events that are going on, the 24-hour part. I found it quite a page turner. I don't know about you guys. Once I got into it, you know, I, I, I was one of those books that I wanted to keep picking up again and again and again because I wanted to find out what happened. Um, how did you two feel about that? Was it something that you found easy to read or, you know, didn't like very much? Yeah, I certainly found it um, easy to read uh, in the sense that I was very engrossed in the story. I, I Just coming back to the previous point you made I would like to sort of confirm that that actually there is a lot of abuse in it and it is abuse of children as well so yes I imagine potentially it could be very triggering and it's not really in some novels I know violent scenes quite often I'll just literally skip the page and not read it it's not something it's not quite somehow that you can do that here because it is a thread throughout the book rather just an actual description of an incident that you can just miss so uh, in that sense I found it uh, I found that quite hard actually and quite sad because everything's described in quite a matter-of-fact way and um, yeah I I I thought those bits that was very tough actually to read Mm. know that that is actually the reality for for people and for children Mm. Um, 
But yes, the book was a page turner with the main character L and the as Joe mentioned, the steamy scene at the start and the <laughs> yes here and why and then as it um, unravels and you find out more and more and more. I was certainly very um you know invested in it and I wanted to know what happened. Absolutely. That that first scene that you mentioned there, Stella, you know where you've opened that book and that's the first scene. And I'm like, wow, I've got to read this. You know, because actually um, for, for you listeners out there who have not read the book, some of you may have done, have read it, some of you won't have read it. There is a scene right at the beginning where um, she's outside the paper palace, the house where they're staying in the summer, and she's having sex with a man up against the wall and her husband and children and her mother are inside the house. Now, immediately, that draws me straight into the story because I think, who is this man? Why is she behaving mm. in this way when her husband and children are inside? And how could you do that? So I immediately wanted to know why. So it was a, a great opening um, scene in that book, I felt. What did you think about that, Joe? Did you did you enjoy that bit? Yeah, I did. I enjoyed it very much. It smacks you in the face and you immediately <laughs> want to find out what on earth is going on here. Who would Who would on earth would do that? And risks just dis uh, discovery by her, her husband and children. Yeah. Uh, why is she doing it? And as I said before, the why done it part is is really the story in the book. Is why is she behaving like this? Why is she in a position, effectively, of having to choose between two men, her husband, loving husband, and um, her teenage love that she hasn't seen for a long, long time? Mm. I mean, it's not the only intimate scene that's in this book either, is it? Joe, because there is an intimate scene on a beach as well between Elle and uh, and Jonas, um, and you know that it's kind of peppered with uh, intimate sort of scenes throughout the book, really. Yeah. Um, let's think a little bit at the moment about and talk a little bit about um, the Paper Palace and its susceptibility to the elements. We know that this house was built by um, Elle's father. Um, and he ran out of money, I believe, along the way and couldn't really finish it to a very high standard. So over the years, this house is kind of like very fragile and crumbling. And it's sort of acting as a bit like a mirror, isn't it, for what's going on in the family, that the family is also crumbling at the edges. Do you think that was deliberate? Do you think that Miranda Cowley-Heller is deliberately sort of using that as a metaphor really for what's going on in the in in the family yeah i think very much so and as i said before um paper palace is perhaps not the description i would use i would say house of cards is maybe more like it is mm -hmm. so precarious the state of this family that huge huge disclosures and huge discoveries could wreck it entirely there's yeah. so much gone on there that could get out and you're, you're sort of teetering on the brink all the time of is this family going to survive or not? So it's very gripping from that point of view. It certainly is. And we've got secrets as well going through this novel, haven't we? Lots of them and the acts that create these secrets and their decisions to keep them hidden. What, what is the outcome, do you think, of keeping those secrets? Um, how do we see that play out within the novel? And why do you think Elle keeps the secrets that she does from her family? Oh, now. I need to be careful a with a big one for you to tackle there. <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, uh, plot spoilers. But yeah, I think secrets, these types of secrets are probably generally very damaging. They're always going to be damaging. And I guess I feel that actually 
family secrets like this, sort of quite big secrets, they never really stay secrets. They always come out at some point. So um, maybe it's it's quite fruitless to try and try and keep secrets. But of course, the reasons for why things aren't said is is sort of very interesting. And I think you can see here with Elle that she hasn't said things because because of the ramifications and because of the potential problems that it will cause within the family. So in particular, her sort of first secret is, I think the reason that's kept is because it, without giving too much away, and this actually doesn't really give it away, is that it's, um, it, it could create a problem between her mother and her stepfather. So yeah. with that relationship, I should say, with that family dynamic, yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing that's the reason she kept the secret. And of course, at that point, she's a child as well. Yeah, my feeling about the whole secret thing was that there was a tremendous amount of guilt that, that Elle is carrying throughout this book, isn't there, as well? For reasons which we won't give spoilers about, but she is carrying a lot of guilt over a tragic accident that happened mm. um, when she was a child. And, well, she was a teenager, I suppose. She was about 17, I think, at the time. Um, and she's carrying a massive secret about that. And I think, you know, she's also carrying secrets about the abuse that she knows that's gone on as well. And so I agree with you, Stella. Very often it is quite common for um, girls, women who have been abused to keep that secret, to not tell anyone, partly because they might feel that they're responsible for what's happened to them in some way. And that is very common for, for women in, and men who've been sexually abused, I think. Um, so I can see why that was in the novel. But yeah, I mean, can you think of any times when you maybe have kept a secret? You don't have to say what it is. Um, but whether you have kept a secret that, you know, you thought was helpful or, or turned out to be harmful. Well, nothing, nothing springs to mind immediately that I particularly want to bring bring back to my mind. However, I think about secrets. Mm -hmm. the, the important thing is not so much the secret itself and the keeping of it, it's the motivation for keeping the secret secret. Are you doing it to protect other people? Are you doing it to protect your children? And in particular, that's a, a very good reason for keeping a secret. Um, or are you just doing it for your own self-protection, for your own advantage? Mm. So, Actually, in this book, Joe, she in fact keeps quite a lot of secrets from Peter, her husband. Jonas, who's the ex-boyfriend, the guy she's probably always been in love with, he's the one that knows all of Elle's secrets, really. Um, he's the one that she shares everything with. He was there at the time and, you know, he grew up with her, so he knew all her secrets. Um, I did struggle a little bit with wondering why she hadn't told Peter about some of the things that had happened to her. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, that did occur to me that I don't know if there was a moment that passed where she sort of felt the moment had passed to tell Peter these things. And then, you know, it goes so as time goes on, it then becomes more difficult maybe to, to say things. Was I did find that a little bit strange because it felt difficult to know how she was how she's giving her marriage a proper chance when she's keeping those secrets back that are quite significant mm. actually and as adulthood goes on as well I think in childhood I could see much more easily that 
you know, for so many reasons that children won't say things and quite understandably because it will impact everybody. They might, you know, they children quite often feel things are their own fault anyway. When anything bad happens, they tend to think it's probably their fault. So, but as she's gone into midlife, um, yeah, I, I I wasn't quite sure about that. And maybe, maybe she just didn't think about it over, she'd literally put it out of her mind completely. And it's only when she saw Conrad that it sort of came back to her, mm. you know, came back to her mind because he mm. was with those secrets. Mm. And Peter wasn't. So maybe it's to do with that, that she wanted to leave them in her past, but she didn't want to bring them into her marriage. I agree that, I agree with you. I think that, you know, the longer you don't say something in a marriage and then maybe 10 years later you blurt it out and you say something, I think that could lead your spouse to say, why now? Why didn't you tell me this before? And, you know, and, and cause quite a lot of, you know, disturbance in the marriage. Yeah, you've just reminded me, actually, she did miss her chance because Peter asked her the first time they went to bed together, he asked her if she was a virgin. Yeah. So she sort of missed her chance then and so then that yeah. probably becomes a little bit more difficult because mm. it's tied up with your what you may feel your husband's idea of you is mm. and that you will then be saying well actually your idea of me isn't right exactly yeah so there was a lie that sort of started the marriage off there wasn't mm. there? Mm. Yeah, we, we need to talk a little bit about conrad who's the stepbrother of l in this novel Let's talk about him as a character. Uh, well, he's not a very likable character um, for reasons which I won't say on air, but he's not very likable. Um, he is, however, central to the, um, the story because uh, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that um, there is a terrible accident mm. um, and the, the circumstances in which that happens for the other people in the boat being Elle and Jonas the circumstances of the accident are such that they carry a burden of guilt for the whole of their lives over it. And it's that guilt which keeps them apart as teenagers and is, is something which their, their possible um, coming together again might relieve. Mm -hmm. So it's a big factor in the book is this guilt over the accident. Yeah, absolutely. There is a tremendous amount of guilt over that. And for those uh, listeners out there, we're not going to tell you exactly why? Because we don't want to spoil it for you, but it is it is a central theme, as Joe says, to this book. So it's a multi-generational story, isn't it, that we've got here as well? So we've got, we, we see, as you mentioned before, reverberations cascading down through this family, Stella. Um, the choices made by the grandparents and the parents and the scars that they've left on Elle herself. Is it possible to break the cycle with this family, do you think? Or are they just going to keep repeating? like to think there's always hope yes. maybe it gets harder I don't know as time goes on I'm not really sure but I think if there is the you know the insight and awareness and the motivation the desire mm -hmm. to break the chain then I'm I'm just going to vote for the fact that yes it can be broken <laughs> can be broken well, yes. don't we yeah um, but it's not an easy, I don't think it's an easy thing. And I'd imagine it need, would need a lot of work and a lot of desire yes. and a lot of awareness. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot that's gone on. Mm. I mean, when we get to, towards the end of this novel, we know that Elle is faced with a life-changing choice here, don't we? And, you know, we're not going to tell you where, how, who she chooses or what she chooses or where she goes. 
But there was it was a major plot part really about Elle choosing. Um, she's got to choose really between two men, or she's got to choose a version of herself. Did you think the ending was successful? Because I think you know, Joe, and I know that Miranda Kelly Heller said that she couldn't decide on the ending until about three pages from the end. Isn't that right? Yeah, it is right. And I think that shows how difficult it was for Elle to decide how, the, if you like to put it crudely, the men were neck and neck in her mind mm-hmm. and how difficult it was for, for the author to decide how are things going to go in her mind um, and write the ending of the book. And I should say that the ending of the book is not conclusive. Um, the reader is left with an interpretation job of working out how they feel it ended and, and what the outcome was. Yeah. Um, uh, we've all got different views on that, and I'm not going to say what my views are because I want to spoil it for our listeners. We've had some good discussions about that ending, haven't we, in book club? And, uh, you know, we, we, there's been several of us have disagreed about the ending. So, yeah, we'll leave it out there for you listeners to make up your mind should you choose to read this book. Is it a good book club book, guys? There's a lot to discuss in it. All the things we've discussed and also there are a lot of divorces in it. So there's a lot to do with how fathers um, can become quite absent and how fathers have, you you know, may remarry and then that you have blended. There's so many things in it. So there's all of that really complex stuff and it, it it's all in there. So it's all discussable. As we've said, there's a lot of abuse, unfortunately, in the, in the family and the ramifications of that, lots of secrets. Um, there is a lot. I mean, I count it, it. It's not really a main part of the book, really. But I counted four drownings in the book. Yes. <laughs> lots of things in the book to discuss. Quite a lot of drownings. Yeah, there is uh, quite a lot of drownings and a bit of sex. So there's quite, you know, there's something for everyone in there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> What do you think, Joe? I mean, is it a good book club read? Yeah, definitely it is. And I think it, it it sort of invites you to think about the morality of parents and people deciding whether to give in to their desires and their passions or whether to put their family and their children first instead. And very often in life, it's pretty much a choice between the two. Certainly in this dysfunctional family, it's pretty well every time a choice between passion or children. Mm-hmm. And that, that that's quite difficult to discuss sometimes with people because our lives haven't all been perfect and sometimes we've given in to, to desires mm-hmm. and, and maybe on reflection not done what we wish we'd done. But So it certainly opens up these sort of things for discussion between friends. It certainly does. What about the general characters in the book? There were a few of them. Did you like any of them in particular? I, I'll, I'll say first that I didn't really find any of the characters particularly likeable. Maybe Peter was okay. He's the um, he's Elle's English husband, and he's a, I found him a little bit stereotyped for a Brit. I could, you know, it felt a little bit like, I don't know, Hugh Grant could have been playing him in a film, um, Notting Hill-type film, but he was a bit stereotyped for me. What do you guys think? Did you find anyone to really like as a character? Well, I don't actually think I did. I, I, I suppose I said at the start that I didn't really em- empathise with them, and maybe I did a bit more than I think, because I think 
the female characters, the mother Wallace and Elle and Anna, I did feel that I, they were in difficult situations and, and I did quite emphasize, emphasize with them, I guess, although I don't know that I would do any of the things that, that they did. Peter was, as you say, I think he was quite stereotypical. There wasn't, mm. for me, there wasn't a lot to him. But interestingly, um, I think you mentioned, Joe in another conversation that Miranda Cowley Heller's husband is British. He is. That, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he is just like Peter. <laughs> well, maybe. It's, it might, readers might, listeners might find it interesting to know that Miranda Cowley Heller spent her youth spending her summer holidays on Cape Cod. Mm. So there's an awful lot about this story, which may have been, may have been inspired by her own childhood experiences. She also lives between London and Cape Cod and also Los Angeles. And in the yeah. novel, Elle and Peter live between London, well, it, the stories between London and Cape Cod. So yeah. there, are, there definitely are some parallels, which she may have drawn on. And I think that is one general thing I'd say for the book, and that is that um, the, the characters were quite American. Mm. And I think that's, that is a bit different culturally to, to being British. You know, I did feel that. I, I quite enjoyed it, but it did seem maybe it has a slightly different feel that the, the characters are maybe more, more direct and more open and more overstated than British characters would be. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. I think that's that's a fair comment. Miranda Kelly Heller says that the work she did at HBO, she doesn't work for them any longer actually, but she used to work for them. Um, and she was an editor, I think, um, for you know their screenplays. The work she did at HBO also influenced her writing of this book. And she is now writing a screenplay for this book. And so it will come on to HBO as a little mini drama series. And I guess, you know, that reminds me of Little Fires Everywhere and hoping where the crawdads um, thing is going to come soon. And it reminded me of one of those books, really. And I think if you liked those two books, those two other books, you probably will like this one. They're very kind of similar in feel, I think. So guys, we actually do recommend this book for Book Club to read. And um, we hope that you've enjoyed listening to our talk tonight. Um, next month, um, we're going to be discussing The Promise, which is the Booker Prize winner for 2021 and written by a South African writer, Damon Galgut. So there we are. Thank you for listening to us talking about The Paper Palace, Miranda Cowley Heller's debut novel. We hope you enjoyed listening. And if you want to look for us again, we're here on Spotify. Anchor or Google and Apple Podcasts.